Hello, and welcome to another episode of It Came From New Jersey podcast. If you don't already know, um, we talk about music from New Jersey, album by album. Uh, my name is Pete, and I'm here with my good friend, Bob. Bob, what's going on? Not much, Pete. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I was just, I was thinking about ice cream, and I was, uh, I was at two grocery stores yesterday, and then I got my hair cut right across the street from an ice cream place, and I somehow managed to just like not buy a pint. And I'm really I'm beating myself up about it. Yeah, that's a critical flaw. I, uh, pulling behind the curtain, we record uh, on in the evening on weeknights. I think by the time this podcast is over, it'll be a little late to try to like make a a, a grocery store run, yeah. especially exclusively for ice cream. Yeah. I do have some in the freezer, so I'm gonna. I've been inspired by you. I'm going to do it. I'll do it in your honor. Okay, I'll whisper your name into the wind. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm just gonna sit here with my uh, my old Halloween candy that I'll have to do for tonight. <sighs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I've got a good amount of that myself. So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll make it a real party. Um, <laughs> so yo, uh, we're here to talk about some music from New Jersey, but we also appreciate all the people who reach out to us to also talk about music uh, from New Jersey. Um, they can email us at... It came from njpod at gmail.com. And hit us on the socials at... It came from njpod. Um, and that's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you want to talk about music that's not from New Jersey, I mean, we're, uh, yeah, let's, we're let's open go. to that let's too, go. you know? Let's, let's get it. Yeah. Today's music is definitely from New Jersey. Definitely. Definitively. Definitive Jersey music. Hailing from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Yep. We're talking about... Why don't you do the proper intro? Yeah. So we're talking about E-Town Concrete um, and their album, The Renaissance. Um, we have kind of circled around these guys for a while. I know that um, Bob and I were both familiar with them, you know, just growing up in New Jersey and being involved in punk, hardcore metal, you know, all of those scenes. So uh, this is a cool one. I mean... Um, I think I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I personally am, was really familiar with their early records. Um, I was a big fan of the first record they put out called Time to Shine. And then they put out an EP called Fuck the World. And I was a big fan of those. But Bob, I think you, I don't know that you were a fan. Where, where did you land on E-Town Concrete? I was not a fan. There we go. Uh, no, um, not a fan, uh, familiar with them, saw them, saw the records, heard the records, just wasn't my, uh, bag of donuts. Yeah. Uh, though I had some friends who really liked them and, uh, Pete being among them and they were, you know, like, let's, let me not take anything away from them based on my personal leanings they were pretty important to a certain section of the like underground metal, um, metal hardcore world. Yeah. And, uh, and certainly had a unique sound even in that world. Um, so, uh, so, you know, they're going to be an interesting one to talk about. And we, today we are talking about their, not, is it their last record? I I don't think it is. It's the second to last. 
Second to last record, which is called The Renaissance. Right. Uh, I believe this was released on Razor and Tie in 2003. So this was released while I still lived in New Jersey. They put this record out, and I was like, all right, got got time to move. Time to move. <laughs> um, no. Uh, th- so, so we gave a little bit of our history with the band beforehand. What about your history with this record? Have you ever heard this record before listening for this today's episode? So one of the reasons that I picked this one is because when I told you that I'd never heard the song Mandibles, you couldn't even believe it. So I had never heard this record. Jaw dropped. Yeah. Jaw dropped. <laughs> I had never heard any part of this record. Um, none of it even rang a bell. I don't, I don't think I ever heard it. So it was all new to me, which is, it's funny because... I feel like they would have maybe still been on my radar in 2003, but I guess they were just completely off at that point. So 2003, what also happened in 2003 for you personally? I moved across the country. I graduated from high school. Right. You were, you were a senior in high school finishing in 2003. Is that right? It's true. So you were busy. You had a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I remember... Maybe it was fall of 2002 having a funny conversation with you where you were like, this is, and it was a weird thing, but you were kind of like, this is like my last chance with a lot of my friends and I'm excited. And you kind of, it's not like you weren't into music at all. You still were super into music, but I think you, maybe it was the, the time in this range where a new E-Town record could have fallen, like the, <laughs> the perfect diagram for it to fall and not hit your radar. Yeah. So like yeah. literally there's only a few holes in your life where I think it couldn't have, couldn't have hit you. And this was one of them. That's true. Cause they've been on my radar ever since. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, my, I was very familiar with the Renaissance. I, uh, I know it. Um, I know it well. I know it well enough that I needed to hear Pete, a longtime fan of Time to Shine and Fuck the World. Uh, I needed to know what his first impressions were immediately when he heard the song. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I also knew a few of the other highlights of the record. We'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> I never, let me also be very clear. It was listened to in screen printing shops, in warehouses, and um, maybe select tracks on long car rides to say, hey, check this out. But uh, never given a true like deep headphone dive. I did do that for today's episode. Nice. All right, so let's get into it. Jump in the deep end. Yeah. Yep. I want to ask you one question, yes or no. Okay. And I'll give my answer and we can expand. Is this... Do you like this record? Yes or no? I'm going to go with yes. Okay. Do you like this record? No. (laughs) (laughs) I want to establish that. I don't. Yeah. uh, I I went into it with a true effort of wanting to be fair and kind to it. Um, So I'm going to do so because it's just not music that I am looking for or seeking out. That said, I actually <clears throat> reached out to a couple friends who do like it uh, just to make sure I was being fair and I wanted to be even-handed and really listen to it. It's something that, you know, on another podcast that I do called Axe to Grind, 
part of the original premise was that if we were going to speak about things that we didn't like, we wanted to preface it first. And typically it wasn't like if we were going to speak about things that we didn't like just because we didn't like them on merit, that we'd be like, oh, you know. But if we didn't like it and we had a reason we didn't like it, we'd, we'd air that first. I don't have a reason I don't like this other than the music's not what I'm about. It's just not not something I'm super into. That said, I am going to level some pretty even uh, commentary, and hopefully people can dig it and vibe with it. And, uh, you know, all respect is due to this band because I actually think they were both directly and indirectly influential to a lot of music that has come out since then. Oh, for sure. And, and we had some collective questions about like, hey, this feels like it could have been kind of huge. So anyways, we'll get there. Um, I want to know, before we get anything else, the burning question I had. You put this on. The first song you heard was Mandibles. What did you think? I really just felt like they had arrived. Like for me, I was like, this is what E-Town was, <laughs> I was, like, this is what E-Town was trying to do the whole time. And they like, they nailed it. Um, I don't know. It was like catchier than the the stuff that i was familiar with okay um the production was much better oh Uh, oh i mean so let's pause right there the production on this record is very high quality yeah um and before this for people who are uninitiated e-town is a metal punk hard metal hardcore rap hybrid yeah um I mean, there's like prog elements. Fair. There's like fusion elements. They, they there's have, a lot of new metal. Yeah. It's, a, it's a new metal record to me. Sure. Um, which I say that trying to be pretty fair, but you can hear it even in the song Mandibles. There's a lot of kind of new metal guitar stuff that they're doing, but they're doing it pretty tactfully and very well. That said, um, their earlier recordings were completely on the DIY level. Uh, and I have a feeling they actually got to go to a real studio on this and it shows and it really like on a competency level, you can hear that all the players on this are extremely capable Yeah, and it shines through in that production. So mandibles, you heard it for the first time and said, this is it. This is what they were always trying to do. Yeah, they did it. I feel like if, if, if they had had, you know, if there had been a way for the first record to have this song on it and sound as good, you know, this is like what they were aiming for the whole time. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was a big step up in the way that, like, you talked about the early records kind of being more or less self-released, you know, recorded at lower budget studios. I think the snare drum on the first album is pretty much notorious at this point. It's just like this super ringy high snare sound that like, you know. You don't think anyone would have chosen that? No, it's not something that you'd want on your album, really, (laughs) you know. Which didn't stop a lot of people from being into it, including myself, you know, so it is what it is. But, but, uh, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was a cool song. I mean, the, like the proggy fusion part of it, like, I'm just not super hot on that stuff. But that being said, I think they managed to pull that stuff off better than a lot of bands that try to do that. So yeah, that's where I was at. Still not my favorite E-Town song, but I feel like if there were to be like an E-Town theme song, like that might be the one. Oh yeah. No, no, no. It, it really is. So, so as a, <clears throat> as a self-professed fan of the band, I was, I, I'm glad that you now have been initiated. You know, it feels like it was I am necessary. Too. 
Um, I can't believe I missed out all these years. This record, just kind of speaking broadly right now, feels big. And, I mean, dare I say it feels like a breakout type record. The kind of record that people get big off of. Yeah. Would you say that that's true? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think one of the questions we said was, how did it not? So, you know, obviously there's no real answer to that. I'm just going to no, do my best. No. But, the, you know, I thought about a few things. I thought one of the things I thought about was they firmly came from like the New Jersey kind of hardcore metal scene, um, which I think, you know, overlapped with some New York bands and some Pennsylvania bands, but like, absolutely like New Jersey, I feel like it was a really like kind of a, it was a big scene, but that scene was very niche. Like if you were into that scene, you were kind of like only doing that thing, you know, in in my estimation, I, I could be wrong. Um, so part of the, one of the things that I thought about was like, maybe they just couldn't break out of that. And then I was thinking of other bands, you know, like, I don't know, a, a band like Hatebreed who aren't exactly in the same lane, but it's still kind of that, like, you know, metal stuff that came from, you know, the punk and hardcore scene. And I was thinking like, what did they do differently that E-Town didn't like, like were E-Town a band that was touring like relentlessly because I don't really feel like they were. No. So that is going to be one. Of, I mean, I think it's very safe to say that Hatebreed and E-Town were in the same world. Yeah. They were in the metallic side of the hardcore scene. Um, E-Town leaned further into rap vocals and, and a little more on that side of things, uh, a little more progressive. Like you said, the prog stuff, the new metal sound, Hatebreed went more kind of brutal, like blistering metal type stuff. Yeah. That said, if you wanted to identify the biggest difference between something like E-Town Concrete in 1998, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, and Hatebreed is that Hatebreed toured relentlessly. Yeah. And I don't believe E-Town did. And that's not to say that it was like them choosing, like it's not to say anything about it. It's just to say, yo, sometimes bands catch the break and roll and take as much out of it as they can. Um, Well, and that's the thing. I feel like you need to like, especially at that time, I I feel like things have changed somewhat, but maybe not like, you know, you go through some, you know, let's say you go through Detroit and nobody knows who you are. So you play a show to, 20 people the next time you go those people might might have told their friends about that show and then there's 60 people there you know so like the bands that tour relentlessly i feel like there does something does come out of it most of the time if you're doing it the right way i feel like e-town their music was getting progressively better the production value was progressively better like everything was moving in the right direction but i feel like you know had they been touring more maybe it would have landed harder. Like it's one of those things where, you know, we were joking before about this being on my radar, but like in reality, I was like, I was keeping tabs on like just keeping tabs on thing, whether whether or not I was listening to it or not is a different matter, you know, but I was living in California and at the end of 2003 and then into 2004. And I I definitely was with people who would have known about E-Town Concrete, but like, 
they weren't talking about E-Town Concrete, which to me meant that it hadn't really made it over there. You know, it was more of like a tri-state area thing. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know why that, why that happened. So what, what they were doing, they actually started touring hard with this record. Okay. And I think they toured really hard on the Renaissance. I'm looking at this. I actually found tour history. Starting in 2003, they just go really, really hard. And I'm looking at where they're touring. They're playing a lot. They're doing a lot. But before this, man, it just doesn't seem like it was picking up the same way. Yeah. This is really fascinating, actually. Um, You know, not to go into silence mode here. But when you see how many shows they actually were playing um, on the Renaissance, they were, it looks like they basically committed to almost two years straight of touring. Oh, wow. And even before that had been doing some lead up and that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at this. They're doing a lot Uh, starting in 2002, three. Wow, their history! I can't believe that they have this much tour history on there. This is wild, wild, wild. I've never seen any band who has this complete of a tour history. Um, anyways, <laughs> yo, we might be off. They might have been touring hard, but they didn't catch the way a band like Kate Breed did. Yep. And that can be for a lot of reasons. And one of the things that we identified is sonically E-Town was fusing in more rap, a little bit more hip hop and not, not sonically like it was a heavy band with some fusion parts and a lot more rhythmic stuff going on with a singer who was singing and rapping kind of like with that back and forth beat way more than just going heavy vocals. Yeah. I think that separated them from their, the crowd. It separated them from a lot of audiences and it made them perhaps harder to place for people who were just looking, yo, I'm going to the metal show to hear metal bands. Or if they were playing a mixed bill festival, they might be too hard for hip hop heads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually would be kind of interested to hear what people from both sides think of it. But I think that placed them in a unique place where their diehards loved them um, and really kind of rode for it because it was such a unique merging that worked the way it did. Um, which is to say that I think people who were looking for this we're not going to find it in a lot of other places sonically. Right. Especially not at an underground level or done with this kind of ferocity or playing these size venues. So that brings me to my first big question beyond this. Is there an alternate timeline where this record is commercially successful? I think there definitely is. I mean, it's same. same. I, like, 100% I think there is. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually looking at the touring history that you found now too. It's pretty, it's pretty, I mean, they went super hard, um, around right. the like they, they, they just were touring constantly. So Ozfest and everything else. But I mean, yep. the, it, it's surprising to me that they didn't, you know, get bigger with this record, honestly, because uh, like you mentioned new metal before, I think they could have fit within that in certain ways. Um, and that well, was, I, I want to talk about that too, but yeah, go. Yeah. And new metal. I mean, 
I, I don't know. I guess it started around like 96, 97, depending on, you know, who we're talking about. Um, yep. By 2003, it was like full on, you know? So I feel, well, I, I feel it, like it was, I feel like there was a lane. It was, you know, it was probably beginning to die in a way. At oh, that point. oh, it was. Let me, let me say this. A quick Google search. Limp Biscuit. If you go to Limp Biscuit's uh, webpage, which is limpbiscuit.com, they'll proudly proclaim they were established in 1995. The record that came out for Limp Biscuit, results may vary, is September 2003. It had been three years since their their biggest record is probably Three Dollar Bill Y'all, which is 97, or Significant Other, which is, Significant Other is the big one, yeah. 99. Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water is 2000. They don't release a record again until results might vary, which is 2003. And at that point, I think they're toast. Okay, that's fair. And I think that's the thing is I think that new metal as a genre, it wasn't spent. But on this side of things, on the side where you could have seen it being... Um, kind of you know more of the hip-hop like rap leaning stuff i think that was toast yeah i think that was gone and it was what people were looking for at this point was slipknot okay and not so much limp biscuit see i mean the thing is though that like that makes sense but you know you said the first limp biscuit comes out in 97 i think the first e-town came out in 97 or 98 so like, oh, yeah. you know, oh, they yeah. were, they were hyperactive, like, no, they, they were active during the whole, point. during the whole thing. It's just a matter of, I guess, I don't know, this being the more commercial, commercially viable record coming out that late. So in the it's game. almost to ask, and it's almost to ask, should they have pushed further earlier into that world? Yeah, absolutely. I think that would have you been, know what I mean? to be commercially successful, perhaps, um, and I mean, I think I think we both agree. This record could have been a very, very commercially viable record. Could have been huge. Um, there are songs on it that feel almost like they were designed for radio airplay. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, to be honest, the song "Mandibles." There's just it just has a lot of radio friendly parts that remind me of some of the bigger acts of the time. Not the least of which is the band P.O.D., yeah. who I will reference a lot sonically as being the counterpart um, to E-Town in terms of they have rap vocals, hard music, occasionally singy choruses. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, quite big choruses. And there's a couple songs where I'm like, oh, this is, this is like a P.O.D. part. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. So... Um, there's there's a lot of alternate timelines where this record is more popular. And uh, and it's not to say, like, let me also be clear. This is a pretty popular record. Like, there's this is not a band who's... This is a band who, if they play a show at Starland Ballroom tomorrow, is selling it out. You know? Yeah. It's just, they're, they're a big band, especially in New Jersey. But we're talking about that national stage level. Like, oh, they can go do a tour everywhere and get the same love they get in New Jersey. And that, that unfortunately just is not true. Yeah. Okay. What else about this record on the big levels? Any other questions that stick out? 
On the big levels, I mean, the thing for me that was different about this, you know, my point of comparison being, again, like the first record mm. was those big choruses you were talking about, like kind of that POD element. Um, I have to think that that was entirely intentional, um, making it a little bit more commercially accessible. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't even say that as a bad thing. I mean, bands got to do what they got to do, you know? Oh, just, um, just, and especially like, like, let's also be honest. E-Town Concrete had been a band since 1995, as they reference on the, the record and talk about. And this almost unapologetically is them saying, hey, we're going for it. Yeah. And we're going to be open about it lyrically. Like there's lyrical content that suggests that. So Right. Yeah. And that's the part that for me was like different because I do think that they, a lot of the same elements I think have always been there for E-Town Concrete. Um, those elements were were new to me and those... To be, if I'm being completely honest, yeah. they felt they felt disingenuous and like I just didn't like them as much. Um, I was going to ask you because if you like them from their earlier material, I wonder if they were felt a bit off because it's it does feel very big room and very much like, hey, we're doing this, we're going for this. You should too. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, but we're going to do it. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, I liked. I like like the harder kind of element of of them and not so much that part so yeah that was the big difference to me um which i don't i mean you know for for that style i felt like they they did it pretty well um it's just not my style you know so yeah like there there were there were definitely songs that i felt like could have been on like k-rock you know and 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 done just fine and maybe they were i mean i know that they were on mtv a little bit at this point but yeah, I don't know if they ever hit K Rock uh, in any meaningful ways, but they feel like they probably were getting played on some of the louder. They were they were certainly being submitted for that. Yeah, you know, they no, certainly sure. should have been in the rounds for that. I have another question for you. I have two more, All and right. then we should move into kind of more breaking down the album specifically. Cool. By we've we've said this is a record from a band who comes from the metal hardcore world. By those standards, is there a single fast part on this whole record? No. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said that the song later on in the record, we'll, we'll get in there. There's a couple tracks that almost flirt with a fast part, but otherwise not not a chance. Yeah, no, and they had, they had fast parts, you know, sparingly, but they were there in the in the first record. Which I mean, again, to talk about commercially viable, those aren't things that are typically associated with being commercially viable. So yeah. you steer away from those when you're writing your your record that you're trying to get on radio, you know? So final question, <clears throat> who is this record for? And it might, that a question I ask typically, it might have a more obvious answer here than, than it does often. I mean, yeah. Who was it for? I think they were intending it to be for like the Ozfest crowd, you know, like define that as you will. Like anyone who's into any sort of heavy music that like is even remotely popular at the time. Um, who? No, I, I mean, I mean, yes, exactly. The Ozfest crowd, they're seeing bands like POD, like Limp Biscuit catch on and be able to do stuff. Um, to that audience yeah. and saying, Hey, let's, let's figure this out. Let's, yeah, exactly. let's try to do our thing. So 
I mean, who would um, like this though? I feel like, you know, if you're into, I mean, Fury of Five is like the most obvious, but if you know Fury of Five, you're going to know E-Town Concrete. Um, I think at some point E-Town might have superseded. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Fury, especially on a national level. Um, word a lot more. Uh, so who is this for musically? Wow, that's a good question. People who like harder music, um, people who are not thrown off by rap vocals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly think if you... If it you, probably helps. If you like me- metal and you like rap, Yeah, and you're curious about what those two things would sound like together, this is not a bad... This is not the worst place you could start, you know? Um, I mean, they're very different bands, but I feel like if you like like the the earlier corn records like you you might find something here you know i mean oh, I, yeah. I do oh, think yeah. i do definitely think there's like that new metal crossover like e-town is definitely its own kind of animal but but the elements are all there you know yeah i i think that they also and on this record specifically i feel like this may have a place in a lot of people's gym routine you know oh for sure Whether you're trying to lift something heavy or hit your cardio absolutely uh, this is definitely a good record for that absolutely so with all that said would you like to go track for track with me let's do it i'd love to all right i want to start with perhaps the uh, the greatest opener in e-town history mandibles all right, so let me before we go. Um, is there? I want to do the keeper cut, but I don't want to do it if you're going to cut all the tracks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, no, I will not cut all the tracks. How okay. about that? All right, cool. <laughs> let's do it then. All right, let's go. Are you keeping mandibles? You have to. Okay. The first, my notes right, mandibles. Keeper, peak <laughs> rap metal. Awesome. Uh, so much new new metal guitar track tricks on this. It sets the tone for the record. I really think it takes the listener who was familiar with their previous material. If you were a Time to Shine fan, if you were a Fuck the World fan, you could listen to this and go, oh, oh, just like you did. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it says, hey. You might not be ready, but we're going to put you right on. So, no, it's a keeper. Yeah. It's it's the most memorable E-Town song uh, to me, and it's not particularly close. Lyrically, it has my favorite E-Town lyrics, which let me pull those up really quick so I get the quote right because I often say it wrong because it's a real spit. Buy some dipsy doodles with a food stamp, <laughs> get 75 cents back, which you know about that now. Yep, love that line. Great long. I'm just, Great line. I'm just amazed that he like made the whole song about mandibles. Oh. You know? That's, that's not a word that you hear every day. Uh, I'm that kid that nobody ever gave a fuck about. Curse words are the worst words were the first words coming out of my mouth. We started out, we had not, not nothing to lose. I never had an option, so there was nothing to choose. It was all about turning food stamps into cash. And continue. Perfect lyrics. Um, I don't know if there's... You can't... I, I don't know if we are giving enough time to the song Mandibles. <laughs> so I want everyone to stop the episode. Um, if you're a first-time listener, last-time listener, this is the only time I've done this. So stop the episode, please. Find E-Town Concrete, The Renaissance. 
and listen to the song Mandibles. Thank you for coming back. I feel as though your life has been enriched. <laughs> is there anything else you can say about this song? Um, no, not much that hasn't been said. I guess it's, it's just, I feel like they put it all out on front street right here. Like every element of E-Town concrete is like just on shining display, you know, with like the, uh, just the way they jump into that, like fusiony part, like right off yeah. the jump is like, it's, I, I was surprised that they, they went straight into it like that. I thought that was something they were going to kind of toy around with throughout the record, but not like, you know, 30 seconds into the first song. Yeah. So, so let me also be really clear as someone who's not really a big fan of the, the band, and this kind of stuff, I'm being very serious. They boldly and confidently took almost all the elements of their band and cohesively put together a song that featured most of those elements. There's a couple, like they actually do get harder. Some of their songs later on the later side of this record are just hard kind of metal, hardcore songs. Um, but other than that, they really put their whole unit on showcase here in the first song. It's pretty impressive actually. So, um, it's a, it's an incredible song to lead your record with. For what it's worth, this song has two times as many plays as anything else on Spotify. As, as their songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not any other song on Spotify period, which yeah. would be pretty amazing. <laughs> Bandables is literally the most popular song in the world. <laughs> By two times. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I meant, but that would be amazing. Hey, fuck it. <laughs> they've, is... they've truly arrived when that happens. Uh, hopefully we can help do our small part yeah. and spread the word. Um, so it's a keeper, right? Keeper, for sure. Okay. More than incredible. Um, this one kind of had an older feel. I mean, older in terms of their songs. You know, it felt like it could have been on the first or second record. Um but what about that chorus? Yeah, th- that's the part that I didn't love. Here comes the POD. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's that's the thing North though. Jersey it's like, POD. like the verses sound like they could be on, like you know, fit in with their older stuff. And then a lot of the times with these tracks, this one included, it's the chorus that you know they went a different direction. Um, okay. I would keep it, um, but it's like a soft keep. Okay. The, the, I don't think you want it part at the end. I really don't like, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's cool. It establishes that they love money. Yep. Um, I don't know if I'm going to keep it or not. Let me, uh, I'll soft keep it. I'll, I'll co-sign the soft keep. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Metroid. Okay. So this, Actually, instead of the POD choruses, it has hate breed choruses. Yeah, this is where they went harder. Yeah, and actually, the beginning of the song, they started with some, you know, if it's not directly, it's sampled like the Metroid or Metroid style music, like the Nintendo game. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I was <laughs> immediately taken into it on a personal level, uh, more so than I had ever been on any other uh, E Town song. Then I was like, wait, is this lyrically like about Metroid? And I don't think it is, but um, that kind of got me in. I, I lots of it underrated is that there's a lot of melodic guitar stuff that E Town plays with 
more than they're given credit for. So um, I also said this is this track has very little of the new metal kind of proggy stuff to me. Yeah. Um, but it's still a kind of weird song. I am going to keep this song. Okay. So you're keeping more tracks than me so far. I was going to cut this one. <laughs> Go ahead. You're just a hater. Blowing my mind. Yeah, I mean... This one, it. I just, I just. Please know that I might have cut every song in the record, <laughs> but that's okay. This one, um, it's it sounds like early E Town Concrete, but like without any of the charm. I just felt like it didn't like contribute much to the the flow of the record. I'll have to um, revisit the early E Town Concrete. Yeah, please. Right. Um, the uh, the Metroid reference is cool. I would rather play Metroid than listen to this song, though. Me too. Yeah. Although so I, would, I would rather I would I would rather play Metroid than listen to most music. If I'm being honest, agree, 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 agree. Um, we should do that sometime soon. All right. So many nights. This was the other one I was quietly hoping to hear from you about. Yeah. So this is like where they completely lose me on this record. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I can't even. I can't even pretend with this one. Describe it to the listener who hasn't heard it yet. It sounds like if you turned on like K Rock in two thousand one. I mean, like it. It almost there's like parts of it that remind me of like a Creed song. Um, the POD thing is definitely a play. I mean, any of you like if you hear those two names, I think you know kind of what that sound is. It's like that epic. They're looking for sing-alongs. They're looking for like lighters in the air, you know. Lighters in the air, sing-alongs. Yeah, like you'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just like, like, do they pull it off? Like, yeah, it sounds like it could be on rock radio, but like, that's not my lane, you know. Especially at that point in history. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that I don't think, to my knowledge, they'd ever really toyed around with before, and like. Again, oh, you, they didn't do a lot of Latin guitar on the Time to Shine record or Fuck the World. No. Oh. Uh, well, the, Latin, the Latin guitar is Let's Go, right? There's that. It's in this one, too. Is it? Yeah, there's some elements. It gets heavy in Let's Go. That was It's the B side of it. Okay. Um, my notes were caps, huge POD chorus. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cut the song. I You're mean, keeping? I want to keep it as a goof, but I'm going to cut it. Yeah, okay. I, li- Let's I, li- go. I listened to this record like four times and I heard this song four too many times. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. Let's go. Uh, my note was party rocker. More with this Latin guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this one feels like the... Uh, um, this is their answer to like that, the like limp biscuit energy, like now move in, now move out, now hands up, hands down. Yeah, like I think yeah, there's yeah, even yeah, a yeah. hands up part in this song. No. Oh, that's later. Don't worry. Um, no, this is, this, this tracks a party rocker. Um, I'm, I'm cut, cut. Yeah. I mean, I actually kind of like the Spanish guitar kind of vibe i felt like it almost worked um but yeah it's uh i don't know i'm i'm cutting it too baptism i believe my note here was it was the hardest track to this point 
Yeah. Um, they actually showcased some crunchy guitars, which were almost nowhere to be found on the first half of the record. Um, which is the theme. I think you get a little bit more crunchiness on the second side of the record, a little bit harder. They kind of lean into some more metal and hardcore stuff here. Yeah. Um, it's probably their hardest song. Not super memorable to me. Right. Otherwise. Yeah. I think that's the thing is it's not super memorable. I I'm keeping it. Um, just because are I, you keeping it for the line? The day is mine. The night is also mine. I was literally going to bring that up next. Yes. I love, I love it. It's great. <laughs> I, I felt like I needed to say it because I just said it wasn't that memorable. And then I remembered, Oh shit. Yeah. And then you realize everyone remembers that part once they've heard that it. line is so insane. <laughs> um, okay. Appetite, Appetite for, distinction. for distinction. Start us off. So yeah, I don't know this. I feel like they keep with the energy of baptism like this. This feels like a heavier, you know, E-Town song. Um, but it kind of drags for me. Um, I don't know. And uh, like you kind of reach a point in the record with me, too, where I'm typically I like lyrics, like I'm paying attention to the lyrics, you know? Yes. And one of my overall criticisms of this record, maybe maybe the band in general, if I'm being honest, is like it's really one note, you know, I feel like it's just a lot of kind of the same stuff over and over. And that gets a little tiring, I think at this point in the record. So although it is like the heavier E-Town that I like, this song doesn't really do much for me. Yeah. This song specifically, um, man, do I push back on the lyrical one note? I think some of the style with what sh- with with what they do ends up making it feel more one note than it actually is. Like so, this song "Distinction" or "Appetite for Distinction" <clears throat> feels almost like if you go through and pull apart the lyrics because there's some bravado. The bravado on the track kind of throws it off, but when you pull it apart and go, "Oh, okay, this is kind of like." a hardcore song of like you you think i'm not cool and that sucks and you're not cool like like we should have each other's back but we don't you know right um we worked for this and you need to respect that kind of stuff but um there's stuff hiding around it that's that's kind of hard because it it is it's lyrically you start to get hit over the head with like this this kind of the the i don't know uh there's bravado there's a lot of big talk and it's okay um i will say i misheard on the song the first line is i'm back with a vendetta with that same hunger and i thought he said i'm back with a vendetta with that same hummer I think he was referencing a Humvee, and I was like, all right, man. Like, <laughs> were you bragging up on a Hummer? All right, good for you. Um, this song's fine. It's, yeah. it's getting cut, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, this is the the keeper track on the backside of the record. To me, Battle Lines, um, it is the most hate-breed track. It also features Jamie Josta on vocals. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is a heavy track. I like it a lot. Um, I'm going to keep uh, it. It plays really well. And the interplay between uh, Ant Money and Jamie Josta works really well, too. Yeah, and then they have dude from the band El Nino, Christian Macado. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. He's on there, too? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. This is a good song uh, in terms of this stuff. I actually think they go a little more direct, and it works really well. See, but this is where like there's like a singy new like kind of new metally bridge at the end, and it's like yeah. it's just that stuff where I'm like, just like, why did you have to throw that in there? Like, just keep it heavy, you know. But not I my, think not my song. Were, no, I think that it's just trying to it's trying to bridge the gap and have like you could chalk it up to cohesion on an album level. You could chalk it up to trying to appease the listener that they were aiming for. Yeah. You know, so is it a keeper or a drop, a cut for you? Oh, it's a keep. Okay, okay, good. Um, Dormax. This is a hard cut um, for me. I don't like it. It's 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 got like a bounce to it. I feel like it was made to play to like you know a larger crowd, um, and then I just I don't like the chorus again. Big chorus, yeah. uh, radio. Another attempt at a radio single. Um, I like the confidence. I actually think that the dude's cadence is really good. Even when I don't like the lyrics, you can hear the way he's singing and kind of like putting stuff out there. But it doesn't. I, I don't like the song. Um, I, I did say the the vocal pattern was super catchy. Yeah. So. Uh, punch the walls. So, I mean, like, you know, there's a theme here for me. It's just the verse is cool. I feel like the track is like heavy. It's got a good groove, but then like they lose me on the chorus. Um, good breakdown though. This song has an awesome breakdown. I'm cutting the song. Uh, I said you might have the fast, this might have the fastest drum beat yeah. on the whole record. Yeah. At one point, but they then kind of pull back. Uh, at this point on the record, I'm you're out. Yeah. Well, it's not, I'm out, but I'm also like, it needs to do a lot to pull me in. Yeah. Uh, the last song in the heart of wolves, I think this is where they find a fusion between POD and hate breed. Um, their strongest mix of it, Mm -hmm. uh, where it felt the most natural and maybe it was just getting used to it. I didn't love the song, but I'm going to keep it as the closer. Yeah, I kind of felt the same. I'm keeping it as the closer. It was a cool song. I feel like there could have been something else to make it a little bit more memorable. Um, yep. It was also just a little long. I felt like it dragged a little bit. Um, but I over- agree with that. But overall, it's cool. I'll keep it. Uh, and, and also, lyrically, uh, one of the stronger tracks. Oh, sure. Yeah, good point. So I think that's worth mentioning since we've been kind of there. So let's see. How many songs did you end up with? Um, let me see. I think I have six. I think I had five. No, you don't. Because you have... Mandible's more than incredible. Yep. Did you keep Metroid? No, you cut Metroid. I cut, Metroid. Kept- I cut so many nights. Okay. I cut Let's Go. Baptism. Um, I kept Baptism. Mm. You kept Battle Lines. 
I kept battle lines and then I kept uh in the heart of wolves. In the heart of wolves. So that's is that six? This is fascinating right here. <laughs> I, think I think it's five. It's five, yeah. okay. Well I'll cut I'll cut. You can just pick one I cut and yeah. I'll just cut that. Um <laughs> So this record clocks in at an hour and two minutes, so sixty-two minutes, a little long. Although, but you uh, know what? Actually, that's not fair because in the Heart of Wolves, yeah, has they have like eight minutes. minutes. So, like, let's say it's fifty-two minutes long, but um, so what? It, what fills the place? You know what I mean? Like, if we cut this, we're essentially in the typical hardcore fashion um cutting a record that is 52 minutes down to a record that is like 23 minutes yeah um that sounds about right for us yeah it sounds right (laughs) um it's kind of confusing that this wasn't more popular i know it has it holds both a special place in the heart for a lot of people from new jersey i know it holds a special place in the heart for a lot of people who are into metallic hardcore of a certain time so uh that's kind of cool and i am Glad I gave it a deeper listen so I could kind of pull it apart a bit uh, because I see where people who love it, why they love it, you know? For sure. Mandible is a fucking hit. Uh, It's going on my gym mix. Um, I will say I was looking through, I think there was a point over the last decade where they, they, they basically play the Starland ballroom like once a year, more or less. Yeah. It's like a special jam they do. Yeah. It's cool. But, uh, it seems like they, they're they always, I think, playing the most songs from Time to Shine, which, again, is the first record. But this is, like, close second. Sometimes there's just as many songs from the Renaissance. So it feels like, as a fan favorite, like, it's either this or the first album. Yeah, I think so. And I think this, this has a couple of the big hits, you know? And then there's the deep cuts, the Time to Shine, like, the stuff that pulled people in initially. Right. So, uh, right, so that's you're it. throwing this on the gym mix, throwing it on the gym mix. Yeah. Enough said. Cool. Get into it guys.